morning. My name is Andrew. Today's Old Testament reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, beginning at verse 10. Listen for the word of God. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol, or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted. Today's gospel reading is from the Good News according to Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. Listen for the word of God. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her, until she had borne a son and named him Jesus. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Good morning. My name's Jerry, and I have to confess, I have never thought to ask God to keep aliens safe. Maybe there's another Doctor Who fan here. (laughs) Today we have Matthew's version of the birth of Jesus. It's not Luke's. That is, it's not the one that Linus recites after Charlie Brown gets frustrated with the peanuts, Peanuts troupe trying to organize a Christmas play. Today's scripture is Matthew's account. 
The one where Joseph gets put out of sorts upon learning that his fiancée Mary is pregnant. Sorry, found to be with child. As Alice, the prim and proper little girl in Barbara Robinson's classic, the best Christmas pageant ever, would observe, it just doesn't seem right to use such a common word like pregnant in connection with Mary. Much better to say something more dignified like found to be with child. And then instead of breaking the relationship, Joseph gets set straight by an angel speaking to him in a dream. The angel tells him that Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit and that her son's name will be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And then Matthew tells us that all this happened to fulfill a 700-year-old prophecy from Isaiah. Look, the virgin shall conceive, and they shall call him Emmanuel. Do you ever feel the need to suspend your disbelief when you enter into the Christmas season? We read about special messages coming via dreams, a virgin giving birth, shepherds being visited by angels, foreigners following a star that leads them to Bethlehem. Really? Is it any wonder that we now have Santa Claus and elves making toys at the North Pole and delivering them by a, a sleigh pulled by flying reindeer on Christmas Eve all over the world, never thinking that a man dressed in a fur coat driving a sled with snow runners would be highly inappropriate in December throughout all of the Southern Hemisphere. That really should have been a clue to us when we were eight, that there was something fishy about the whole affair. But it's true, there is something of a magical quality to the Christmas story. Matthew tells us that a virgin giving birth was a fulfillment of a prophecy of Isaiah. This is the first of 12 times in Matthew's gospel that he says that something in the life of Jesus was a fulfillment of something said in the Old Testament. Now, I'm quite aware that many people understand this to mean that Old Testament writers were making predictions about the future, and New Testament writers were saying that those predictions were fulfilled in Jesus, and all these fulfillments serve to prove that Jesus must be this wonderful person, Messiah, if you will, that God was intending to bring on the scene. Well, that's partially true. But I think there's something much more profound going on in how the New Testament writers refer to the Old Testament 
when talking about Jesus. And we can see this in Matthew's gospel. Certainly, there are some places where Matthew shows that Jesus clearly fulfills predictions made in the Old Testament. Just over the page from where we read this morning, Matthew cites from the prophet Micah with reference to Jesus' birthplace. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people, Israel. Or again, Matthew cites from the famous Isaiah passage, the passage that looks forward to a ruler from the line of King David. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness From the very beginning of this text in Isaiah, Matthew cites the people sat in darkness. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. Clearly applying the whole messianic text to Jesus. So yes, there are places where Matthew sees Specific Old Testament predictions being fulfilled by Jesus. But there are other times where Matthew refers to the Old Testament where it's not a prediction at all. For example, you recall the incident of Joseph and Mary fleeing to Egypt to protect Jesus from Herod. Matthew cites from Hosea chapter 11. Out of Egypt I have called my son. Which, if you look back in the book of Hosea, has nothing to do with making a prediction. Rather, the prophet is referring to the time hundreds of years previous when people of Israel were liberated by God through Moses from slave labor in Egypt. Or again, the incident when Herod is killing all the young children around Bethlehem, trying to do away with Jesus, Matthew cites from Jeremiah 31. A voice is heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children, which, if you look back in the book of Jeremiah, has nothing to do with making a prediction. Rather, the prophet is referring to the sorrowful time when Israelites were being taken captive into exile. And even today's text, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, in Isaiah 7, doesn't so much have to do with a prediction of a miraculous birth as it does with a prediction to King Ahaz in the 8th century BC that before the time it takes for a 
quote, young woman, that's the meaning of the word Isaiah uses, for a young woman to give birth and for her son to grow up and know the difference between right and wrong, the Assyrian army is going to be on the doorstep of Jerusalem. So what exactly is going on here? I suggest that what Matthew and indeed other New Testament writers are doing is not just finding predictions in the prophets that relate to Jesus, but they're rather finding ways in which the story of Jesus mirrors the story of Israel. Matthew sets the context for us with his genealogy at the beginning of the gospel where he traces Jesus' ancestry back through King David to Abraham, the first Israelite. With the numerical value of the name of David being 14, we learn that there are 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to the Babylonian exile, and finally 14 generations from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. This is the context for Jesus. Then, like Israel before him, Jesus too is God's son who comes out of Egypt. Like Israel passing through the Red Sea, Jesus too passes through water when he is baptized by John in the Jordan. Like Israel spending 40 years in the wilderness, Jesus too spends 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. And like Moses going up Mount Sinai to receive the law, Jesus, too, goes up a mountain with his disciples to teach them what we now call the Sermon on the Mount. And in other ways, too, like the sorrow expressed in Jeremiah's day, so there is sorrow expressed in connection with Jesus' birth. As in Psalm 78 that Matthew cites, In rehearsing God's acts of care for Israel, where the psalmist says, I will open my mouth in a parable, so also Jesus speaks in parables. And as in Isaiah's prophecy to King Ahaz, Jesus is in fact born of a virgin. Not the meaning of the Hebrew word, that Isaiah used, but interestingly, within the range of meaning of the word used by Jewish scholars who translated the Hebrew scriptures into Greek, Parthenos. What Matthew is doing is telling the story of Jesus as a re-embodiment of the story of Israel. And he does this precisely because for most Jews of Matthew's time, Jesus is anything but 
a Messiah for Israel, anything but a savior figure for Jews. He had been rejected by Pharisees who were widely respected people. He had been arrested, tried, and found guilty of crimes against the state by the Jewish leadership. He had been executed by the Romans on a cross, the most demeaning form of execution in the ancient world. For Jews, a crucified Messiah was a contradiction in terms. So how can you possibly think that this person was the Jewish Messiah, many would ask? Well, for the full answer to that question, we're going to have to wait a few months until Easter. But the challenge still is, how do you tell the story of Jesus to demonstrate that he really was Israel's Messiah. Even though he was a far cry from the kind of Messiah Israel was expecting. What Matthew does is he tells the story of Jesus with clear correspondences to the story of Israel. And so Jesus is depicted as the true Israelite as the one Israel was always meant to be. And we can take it a step further. Since Abraham was called by God to address the problems created by sinful humanity, this points to Israel's vocation to recover true humanity. And so, as God had said to Abraham to be a place where all the nations would find blessing. And thus, this is who Jesus becomes in Matthew's gospel. Humanity restored. The one who, as it was intended for Israel to be, but where Israel failed again and again, the one who would overcome the problem of humanity's sinfulness. Hence, Matthew's explanation of the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He is the truly human one, not just in terms of his nature, but in terms of his vocation. But the reality goes deeper still. For Matthew carries on his citation of Isaiah, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Not only does Matthew tell the story of Jesus as the story of Israel, but he tells the story of Jesus as the story of God. In response to John the Baptist's disciples coming to Jesus to ask whether he truly was the Messiah, Jesus responds, as you all know from last Sunday, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. All very impressive things. 
But even more so when we realize that these are precisely the things that Old Testament prophets said that God would do when he restores his people. Here, Isaiah again. Here is your God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. Or again, one day when Jesus and his disciples are caught in a bad storm on the Sea of Galilee, the disciples cry out to Jesus, Lord, save us. And Jesus rebukes the wind and the sea, and there is calm. Pretty amazing stuff, but especially so when you realize that in a Jewish context, it's only God who controls the wind. Even when in connection with Jesus' so-called triumphal entry into Jerusalem, where Matthew cites from Zechariah 9, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey. Zechariah sets this text in the context of God appearing to and saving his people. That is, the role for this king seems to be wrapped up in the role of God himself. So here then we see Jesus not only as the embodiment of Israel, but also as the embodiment of God himself. His vocation will be the vocation of Israel and the vocation of God. Is it any wonder then that there is a magical quality to the Christmas story? Could it have been anything else? Matthew's account of Jesus' birth is about stretching our imagination, about realizing that the future does not need to be merely a repetition of the past, but that it can have hope, about seeing in Jesus God making humanity whole again, Here is true God from true God who was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and became truly human. Here is the love of God, not merely a sentimental scene of baby and mother and animals peering on, but of God taking on ordinary human life in the dark of night, in the cold of winter, in the humblest of circumstances, in order to fix what was broken, in order to bring light. This Christmas season, I do not invite you to suspend your disbelief. I invite you to embrace once again the wonder of the story of God with us as expressed so eloquently by the English poet Malcolm Gite, O come, O come, and be our God with us. 
O long-sought witness for a world without. O secret seed, O hidden spring of light, come to us, wisdom. Come, unspoken name. Come, root and key and king and holy flame. O quickened little wick so tightly curled, be folded with us into time and place. Unfold for us the mystery of grace and make a womb of all this wounded world. O heart of heaven beating in the earth, O tiny hope within our hopelessness, come to be born, to bear us to our birth, to touch a dying world with new-made hands, and make these rags of time our swaddling bands. <laughs> 